Hello, and welcome to our very first Retireable podcast. My name is Mike Wallace. I am a Senior Executive Vice President with Financial Services of America. Go ahead, John. Thank you, Mike. My name is John Sauger. I am also a Senior Executive Vice President at Financial Services of America. So Mike and I have worked together for many, many years, so hopefully you get to hear more from our story as we move along. When we were talking together, we kind of were figuring out a way. We were getting the same questions from people, people that said, you know, how do I retire? What do I even have to do? What are, what are the steps I need to take to retire? And we started talking to the families that we work with, the families we're referred to now who are already retired, and they couldn't verbalize it. They said, gosh, I don't know. Maybe it was an age. Maybe the company told me not to come in. It was, it was different for everybody. So we kind of put our heads together and said, you know, maybe we need to communicate this. Maybe we need to put this idea out there and talk about all things retireable. And that's what we intend to do with this podcast. We put together this podcast really for people that are either near or at in retirement, all the way through, obviously, um, their entire retirement, and even trying to, to, to navigate those waters to get to that retirement age. Because obviously, that's one of the things that we want to do is make sure that we want to try to achieve this work optional lifestyle where retirement basically is we're retired because we can, um, not because we or because we want to, not because we we have to when we look at some of these things. So let me just tell you a little bit about myself. I actually started with Financial Services of America in 1991. I graduated from Michigan State University. In fact, it's kind of a unique story. Um, I met my boss at a college fair and uh, at Michigan State University. I actually graduated. I'm sorry. I took a final on a Friday. I graduated on Saturday, and I started with Financial Services of America on a Monday, and I've been there ever since. So been with the same company my entire working career. And I graduated from Michigan State University with a business degree. So I really didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grow up. And so when we started this this job, I was something that I fell in love with right away and um, like the people I work with and saw the growth potential of this company and, and the good things we were doing with the community and kind of evolved with that. So when we first started, it was more about um, working in the insurance field, so mostly life insurance and, and some small insurance products in other areas. As that evolved, a lot of our clients started to have other needs. So we started to get other licenses. Uh, myself, I started to get my, what the, the first one was like what they call a series six, which is a mutual fund license. And so we started doing mutual funds, started to do some, you know, retirement planning with some of that, as well as some of college planning, 529s for kids and things like that. And then eventually we started to have several people in the office that were securities licensed and they needed someone to, to help uh, supervise them. So I got my series 24, which is a principal's license. And that that allowed me to then uh, supervise a branch office for the firm. And then eventually we started to do other things, um, getting a little bit more evolved, especially in the 90s when the stock market started to go a little crazy. So I got my Series 7, which is a stock broker's license. And at that point, um, we started to do a little bit more uh, planning for a lot of the clients that we dealt with. So in the late 90s, we started to realize that there was other things that were necessary. You know, we used to read these statements from these big firms that had all these disclosures on them that said, you know, we can't give tax advice, we can't give legal advice. And we kind of thought to ourselves that there's something missing in our industry. And so we started to work with attorneys to do a little bit more estate planning for our clients. We started to work with accountants. And really what it came to is we then evolved to what we call a full holistic planning firm. And so in the, in the early 2000s, we actually then started um, our own tax and accounting firm 
And now we've, we've several companies we deal with, with home and auto, um, we have a Medicare and health insurance, et cetera. But really, it's kind of evolved as a firm, this holistic planning firm. And one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is we are finding now that this, this is missing, especially for a lot of the middle class millionaires that we see um, or the people that are aspiring to have the nest egg necessary to retire. So, Mike, the thought process I have, um, why I came to Financial Service America is really kind of a funny story. And I, and I tell the story all the time. I came in 2004, so I've been there 18 years, and I graduated from Butler University down in Indianapolis. So what took me to Butler was actually the sport of lacrosse. And back in the mid-90s, lacrosse is a, a growing sport, but it wasn't really popular back then. And I had a mentor that kind of helped me looking to get recruited to, to go to different colleges. And I thought, boy, this is going to be great. I went to Butler and played lacrosse. When I was graduating, this mentor of mine was having some health issues. And he said, you know, I, I'm going to need to step down. I need you to coach lacrosse for me. And I thought, this is awesome. And I called my dad. I said, dad, I'm going to coach lacrosse. And he said, no, you're not. You need a job. You're a 22-year-old kid. You, you have a college degree. You're going to need a real job. Lacrosse is not a lacrosse coach is not a real job. So I thought he was right. I called the mentor back. And I said, you know, I didn't really think this through. I don't know what I'm going to even be doing. Um, I can't coach. And he said, no, no, no. We're a private school. We're going to have you teach. So I went in and was interviewed and was hired. And what they had me teach was freshman boys in high school for health and geography and some physical education and 18 year old boys for sex education. So I kind of got thrown into the wolves and had to learn things. And it was a, it was a whole different experience, but that was the early two thousands. And, and, and as I was there, if you remember, if, if you're listening to this, you can remember this in the early two thousands where the stock market was going down, that was the dot com bust and, and the market was in turmoil and all different kinds of uh, negative things were happening in our economy. At that time, this mentor of mine was still teaching. If you picture back then, now we all have computers everywhere on us, but back then you had a bank of computers. And in the teacher's lounge, you had to go and you had to sit and get in line and get a bank of computers, you know, get on the computer if you wanted to, to look at anything. So this mentor of mine would go in. We had the same planning period. He would go in every morning and he would look at the, at the computer and he would be all upset. And I said to him one day, I said, what's happening? And he said, well, you know, John, you have a background in this. The market is going down. And I said to him, I said, okay, no, 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 I understand. But why is this happening to you now? And he looked at me and it was a, it was a flashbulb memory in my life. He looked at me and he said, I don't know what I'm doing. And this is a gentleman that was a mentor to me. I held him on, I still hold him on a very high pedestal in my life. But the fact that he didn't understand what was happening was so important to me to, to, to look at that, to say, this is a man that I thought knew everything and he doesn't even know what's happening with his retirement life. So that led to us talking about things, good and bad. Hey, here's how mutual funds work. Here's how stocks work. Here's how, and talking about planning. And, and that led to more teachers listening in and more conversation happening. And then by the end of the school year, the, the vice principal said, you know, Hey, you can handle behavior problems. We've learned that you taught, you know, 18 year old sex ed, you can handle behavior problems. But if you're a teacher, and those of you that are teachers that are listening, if you find out you can handle behavior problems, guess what you get for the rest of your career? Behavior problems. So it was a conversation of either you can continue to do this and do this for the rest of your life, or you can go into the career you're, you were expected to go to. Well, and that led me to look at a number of different places. But one of the interesting things is when I came to Financial Services of America, and the conversation was essentially, 
well, you were teaching sex ed and phys ed and geography. We now just want you to teach retirees and do the same thing, communicate the same way, but use a different subject matter. So that's really my story. It's how I ended up here. And it's why I get to be on this podcast with you is I'm just used to talking to people about this subject matter and, and the passion we share for it. John, when you decided to go in this industry, um, why you, you chose Financial Services of America? Really, really interesting story on this. So I interviewed a number of different places. And when I went to the different interviews, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. What was, what was unique about FSA is two things. Number one is you could tell immediately that the family and the attitude of the company was different than any other place I had been. It's just the clients are family. We don't even use the word client a lot of times. We use family. I work with this family or I work with a different family. We're still owned by the original founder. And if you use the the term mom and pop, mom and pop are still, I know it's a, it's a, it's a silly term, but mom and pop, Richard and Joni are still in the building every single day leading us and guiding us. So that was really, really neat. No, it's definitely a family atmosphere. And we have in the studio today, um, the, the top of the family, the head of the family. So we'll be talking to him in a few minutes. I'm going to tell you about one of the other members of our family here. His name is Richard David James. He actually is the president and CEO of uh, the firm that John and I work with, Financial Services of America. He started in the insurance business at age 18 and initially became a nationally recognized producer at a very young young age. And so he wanted to then start to evolve, and he started a company, actually, and founded Financial Services of America in 1984. And over the years, he's had many awards as an individual and as a firm, and including um, is 11 years or 12 years now with the uh, Detroit Free Press Top Workplace? 12 years. 12 years now. We just found out it's the 12th year as a top workplace. Uh, we are one of the top holistic planning firms in the country. And... He's the president and CEO of not only Financial Services of America, but four other companies as well. I've worked with him since I was 22 years old. So for 31 years, he treats us like family. He respects us like family. He knows my kids like their family. I love him like a brother. Richard James. Well, good morning, guys. Can you tell us what, what, what drove you to this? Why did you start the company? Where, tell us your background. It sounds pretty funny, but I wanted to wear a tie. <laughs> and the insurance industry afforded me that opportunity. They would nice. train me. And I got to address the position that I thought I wanted to be in. Um, so it originally started off the tie, but once I got in the business, I realized what kind of service we really provided the community and how important it was, but more importantly, how the average American really didn't get taught what they needed. They were sold the product. And I wanted to be, uh, like you, John, be a teacher to make sure they had uh, enough information to make a intelligent decision for themselves. So unbelievable amount of awards from you as what we call a, a personal producer in the insurance industry. And I mean, just nationally recognized for, for these awards. But, but you, you stopped that years ago and you, and you changed the, the, the face of the company. What led you to that change or why, why did you change that? Um, originally, obviously, starting off in the insurance business, you all start as a salesperson. Uh, but as I got more educated on the opportunities available to us in our industry, it was very clear to me that I could service more people by training people and bringing them into an organization for success. So I simply changed my focus from being a individual producer, becoming a, a really, my company was a school of teaching out people how to educate the consumer to protect themselves for their retirement in their future. So picking up on these questions then, then Richard, I, I, 
the idea of what we're talking about. You've kind of explained why the company is where it's at and why really it fits uniquely in this industry. One of the things that stood out to me, though, in reviewing, trying to look at it from an outside point of view um, at your company, Financial Services of America, you you had a conversation about the five core values. And, and can you kind of explain what those are, why you chose them? Yeah, it's um, when you're building an organization that's going to provide a, a service to the community, I truly believe if you don't have beliefs or core, what we call core values, by how you hire people, how you train people and fire people, that you will accept the lower standards for your company. If you do that, then the consumer will receive lower standards. So we chose to put together our processes and have a core value. First one is we call world-class. If it's world-class, we simply don't, if it isn't going to come across in that fashion, we don't participate with it. We have one team, one goal that the, everyone in the company will win together or the company will lose together. So everyone's decision affects everybody else. So we want to make sure that standard's held. We have what we call, and everyone knows, great attitude. You cannot raise morale. It filters down through the system. So we want to have people with great attitudes so the consumer feels that camaraderie from them. People that are going to give their life savings to someone to help them for, for their future. That really comes down to the relationship. It doesn't really come down to, you know, who has the best product. It comes down to what are you going to provide that client to make them feel comfortable and not make bad decisions in the future because they know they can depend on that person. Our Fourth one is dedicated, and this is extremely important. I don't know if you heard the both Michael and John earlier, what they said of how long they've been a part of our company. It's amazing how lucky we've been as an organization. Our leadership, all of them have been together for 15, 20 years as a group. So when you have that much camaraderie at the top, that it's amazing how fast it filters through to the newer people that they see, oh my gosh, what I can be look and do 15 years or 20 years down the road. And the last one, and probably the most important one, is driven. That for you to succeed in, by providing a service to the community, you have to keep growing. One thing for sure, if you're not moving forward, there's only one position that is happening and you're going backwards. So with the way the technology is moving things so quickly forward, you as an individual have to want to be driven towards your growing and providing that service to the community. The consumer knows FSA is Financial Service America. But as you know, all the team players in the company, FSA stands for Family Service and Achievement. Right? So it is a very unique process that we choose that family is the priority at all times. Not just our own personal families, but the families we were servicing. Obviously, the service part is what keeps the clients, first of all, staying with us, more importantly, referring to second and third generation to our organization. And, of course, the last one, achievement. If you do good work for people, you reap the rewards of that service that you give to the community. What's been so uh, amazing for working with this company for so long is a lot of this stuff was internal that we've just kind of talked about. and But the core values, um, one of the things that, that came out of some of the things that were happening in, in the uh, pandemic was to reevaluate the the firm itself, and so a lot of this stuff was not written. And so we put together uh, a, a wealth management team at the organization, and and there's uh, individuals there that are there to work on this. And the, and so now we have these core values written, and it's really part of our being now. And there's lots of things that have been happening over the last few years, especially that that have been with us since 1984, but have actually now. 
um, are, are written down, are followed by all, and that are um, part of just the culture of the firm itself. So, so Richard, you talked a little bit about the core values itself, and and we talked earlier about holistic planning as well. Holistic planning, I, you know, people have heard about that in medicine, um, but oftentimes have not heard about that. And John and I are going to spend a lot of our pod, podcasts talking about the concept of holistic planning. But just why don't you introduce us a little bit to that concept, Richard? All right, so let's we'll go back a long time. This is when I was I started my career when I was eighteen years old. When I was nineteen years old. Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away, and my mom called me up and told me and asked me if I would come sit down and go across things with my grandma and her. So I next day, I, my grandma and my mom, I got together. And for the first time in my life, I seen my mom afraid. My mom, first of all, had three children before she was 18 years old. My father, unfortunately, left before I was in uh, second grade. And so my mom raised us three children and then she got married to another gentleman, my stepfather, who had two children. But three days after they got married, his ex-wife got in a car accident and died. So by now we have a new stepfather, two new children, and us in a 800-square-foot house, right? We didn't know we were poor, but we were poor. And so three years later, my stepfather left. But when he left, my mom kept his two children. So now there's five of us with my mom, and neither one of the fathers paid child support. My mom was not educated outside the school world. So she was extremely intelligent, extremely hard worker, but wasn't formally educated. So she was a waitress at a Coney Island. Right? So you got five kids. And if she made $150 a week, I'm stretching it, right? And so we were poor. But what my mom was taught me how, first of all, how important family was. She got up, went there at four o'clock in the morning, did her shift, came back, gave us our dinner, made sure the homework was done. She went back for the dinner shift and worked another four hours and then came home and did that for 20 years for us. Right? So family is a 100% priority because of the standards my mom set for us. But my mom, when we were sitting down and I seen her scared, it would just it blew my mind that I was in an industry that, that didn't help her. I was trained to help people in a more financially better position than my mother. So I went back the next day to work and got a group of people together, and I wanted to know how many decisions my grandma and my mom had to make in the next, next seven days. It was 63 decisions that had to be made, and most of those decisions were final decisions. So when they were the most emotional they were ever in their entire lives, they were put in a position they had to make decisions. I instantly knew I was in the right business, but I knew I was servicing the wrong people. That's why I chose to build a firm that deals with the average American or the middle class or the middle class American. Simply as our goal was then to figure out how do we solve those 63 questions. And that slowly but surely over years taught us that we needed to go into accounting because it really amazes me that most clients, their financial planner never talks to their accountant. When the accountant cannot put a plan together unless he talked with a financial planner. So he is reacting at past information, not preparing for future. Then what even amazed me more is then one of the biggest costs that you will have when you do choose to retire is your health benefits. And it'll be very expensive. And yet the financial planner, the accountant, and the consumer really never sit down and get educated on the decisions they need to make for their health benefits for the, when they retire. So 
all we did through the time is added more and more services and found out the more services we put together, or more importantly, the more relationships that the consumer had with one person, that the more systematic it worked. So if you have a opportunity to sit down with all the professionals that you hired and one and work on your plan together, odds are that plan will be far greater than you having independent people working, never talking to each other and put a plan together for your future. So it's really simple when I look back at it today. It wasn't that obvious when I started this idea, but simply today, as you guys know, because you do it every day, we sit down with the attorneys who have to do the estate planning, one of the most important things, and people who do it 15 years ago and haven't changed it in 15 years. So that's, they sit down and they know that all the people that they should have working for them to protect their future are now in one team. They call one place, get one relationship with a financial planner who then oversees all those relationships that put that client in a better position. That's how it really came about. Just want to let you know, um, we do a lot of educational seminars and webinars. Um, we do a lot of individual one-on-one -on -one consultations as well. And if you do want to reach us, our website is fsa1.com and our phone number is 1-800-977-9292. John, let's expand on what Richard said. Just kind of give me another brief definition of what actually holistic planning is. I always look at it this way. When we sit down and talk with people, I, I, we, we, we interact with them and we never want to just tell people anything. We want to communicate, right? So we ask questions and we, we listen and we interact and they ask questions. And my questions always kind of start with, with the basics. You know, do, do you feel taxes are going to get uh, less expensive or go down in the future or get, go, get easier to understand? Uh, do you feel healthcare is going to get more easy to navigate as you get older in life? You know, do you feel you have enough income to last for life? And as we start talking about those things, we realize, like Richard just told us, that a lot of families, those are different questions. They have to ask different people or have different knowledge base. And so we then change the questions and say, well, when was the last time your accountant talked to your attorney? When was the last time your attorney talked to your financial person? Or, or when was the last time your financial person talked to your insurance person? And more often than not, people look at us and they say, well, that's never happened. And we explain what holistic advising is. You, you used a good example of holistic medicine. People have heard of that. But holistic financial planning, when we ask people, they haven't heard it. Then we explain it and they say, boy, I, I can't unsee that. I, I know that's out there. I need, I need to hear that. And, and so... That's kind of really, Mike, where, where we get to this idea. With this podcast, the thought process is every episode, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what we call our holistic happenings. And, and it's really not planned out. It's off the cuff. So you, can, you the listener, can hear us and, and, and know that this is actually happening on an everyday basis. So once a week, we kind of come up with our ideas of, hey, Here's something we experienced in the last time between now and, and our last podcast that Mike might have experienced or I might have experienced that is a holistic interaction. So, Mike, what, what do you have for us? Well, as holistic happenings, I actually do have a story for you. But um, as I'm thinking, as we're sitting here, while we still have Mr. James here in the studio, um, I, I do want to ask him a question because one of the things he has shared over the years of, of using holistic, uh, the, the holistic planning um, a lot of firms out there will communicate with other firms, um, but Richard has actually not only just communicated with other firms, but he actually owns the firm. So, Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit of why 
do you actually own the different firms that are out there and you're not just communicating with other accountants or you know services, whether it's the Medicare or the home and auto, et cetera? So when we first started the idea, we didn't have a position to go out and buy firms or hire the top of the line professional services. So we did what almost everyone does and to go out and establish relationships. But most of the time, if you are good at your job, you don't need to establish relationships. So we could never get the quality of person that we wanted to have the world-class service for our clients. So through the years, we simply decided that it was far more beneficial for our clients for us simply to purchase the firms that have the core values that we want and the core values that match us and they would hold our standards and give the world-class service that we expected for our clients. So through the years, we bought accounting firms, we created and built Albany Auto Divisions. We created Medicare products and healthcare insurance for people. So today, we control all those relationships. We just don't get to refer someone out, but we are part of a group. So when you walk into one of our facilities, you'll have opportunity to meet with all those individuals and get the service provided by someone you know has been trained the Financial Services of America way. I'm going to be a little bit more blunt about some of the stuff with with Richard as well. And one one of the great things I like about working for this firm is um, when we originally started to outsource some of the stuff in the 90s, we would refer out to, let's say, some accountants or some attorneys or other other firms. And unfortunately, if they screwed up, if they made a mistake, it was a reflection of us as advisors. So I am one of those people that it, it drives me crazy if that um, somebody else can ruin my reputation and my credibility when it's something that's out of my control. So one of the things that Richard decided to do is, you know, we're not lowering our standards to other individuals. We're going to keep those standards and we're going to make the firm that that has the same standards and same core values as we do. And so we can control that as a firm and we communicate. We have a, a CPAs that are a few doors down from my office. Um, we have an attorney's office that is a separate attorney's office, and he's actually going to be a guest on our podcast uh, in a few weeks. And he's got a, a office on our the first floor of our building. Um, the Home and Medicare has an office in our building as well. And and so it's now um, something that we can control. If we have questions, it's it's a direct contact. Uh, that can be this full holistic planning with our individual clients. And so it's it's actually, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the one-stop shop, but it's one-stop shop that can do everything for you in your financial holistic world. All right, John, let's wrap it up. I think we should use some examples, Mike, because uh, we're talking about this idea. Let, let's just talk about how it meant. So a so quick little story that I had happened to me this week, right? So so I had a family call, and um, they're getting ready to downsize their house. And they found a condo, they found the place they wanted to look, and everything was wonderful. But the issue they had was the lining up of when they were selling and when they were buying was an issue. And so we were just happened to chatting about it, and we were just talking. It was We were doing a, a normal review with the client. Um, we, we were just talking about it. We had our agenda, and we discussed things. And it's okay, open time, what's going on with you guys? And say, yeah, we're, 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 we're looking at this condo option. And so when one phone call... We heard this, we understood what they were doing, and their concern was trying to line things up. They didn't want to have to qualify for a mortgage and go through this long, elaborate process. Well, there's something in the industry called a 60-day rollover in, in IRAs or retirement accounts. And what we were able to do was we were able to help them line up the properties, and we made a few phone calls with them to talk about, make sure everything was squared away to the places that were buying and selling and, and whatnot. We were able to purchase the condo with money from a retirement account. They paid cash. They didn't have to use a mortgage. 
We then were able to make sure the other property was lined up within the next couple of days. It sold. They were able to get a check from the sale of that property and put it back into their retirement account, qualifying as the 60-day rollover. So now was not a taxable event. In that same time, we were able to line up the home and automobile or property insurance for the new condo and the property, the place that they had, because you don't want to have a vacant property. That's a little different on insurance. And we communicated with the attorneys to let them know, hey, there's different properties happening. You guys might need to help out and do some deed work and get everything organized. And that was one simple phone call from the client was we were talking with them that would have taken them stressful and and time consuming and all the other issues that happened. And it happened to just come up in a normal quarterly review with a family we were talking with that we sat down with. So we bring that up in holistic. That's actually how it happens. That's actually what transpires in, in this process. So I just want to kind of mention that is, is we've talked about these ideas, but here's how it actually is in practice. It actually happened to us. It happens, I'm sure to you, it happens to me every single week in the families we work with. Yeah, we absolutely. We have so many stories, and obviously, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. Especially since we got um, Richard David James with us, and I just, I, I'd love to be able to, to to communicate with him some more. So we'll have to invite him back to another podcast uh, later on down the road. But really, just want to uh, thank you for listening. And um, this is again our very first retirable podcast, and our website again is fsa one dot com. Our phone number is one eight hundred. 977-9292. I'd like to thank Richard David James once again for, for our as a guest today. My name is Mike Wallace. My name is John Sauger. Thank you. Have a great day.